We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. You better stay out of our business. You better stay out of White Sox business. All right, well, we're going to get back into it. It's not really White Sox business. It's the business of... It is White Sox business. Well, I just, it, it, as a jumping off point here, Dan it's Zaborski... It's still one, one of my favorite drops. I, I, I'll never business. get sick of it. There's him talking to Frank, right? After Frank went to Oakland? I think so. Wasn't it stay out of White Sox business? I think that's right. Stay out of White Sox business. <laughs> you damn right. That was him joking about his earlier comment of staying out of White Sox business. So at least we can uh, praise look, the the sense of humor look, and self awareness. Look, man, I know that it is a it is a flaw in in my White Sox angst and and what I say here. I love Kenny. I just do. I I really truly do. And I know that it's partially because I think there's some similarities. That I can see in it, I'm like, Mr. Bond, you and I are not so different. I'm like, yes. oh, I see that thing yeah. that I kind of don't like about myself and you. So now, Kenny, when he's when he wants to turn on the charm or when he wants to be fun, he can be. But he's it, hilarious. Yeah. So the Zips projections are out for wins and losses. They we've, are not hilarious. We've given you some of the individual numbers that had been out. You say, wait, did you guys do zips already for the side? Yeah, we did because those projections came out, but it takes them time and it takes more than just computer algorithms to put together the win projections because with team totals, there have to be people figuring out who of these players are going to play where and when and projecting what the actual rosters and distribution of innings for the pitching staff is going to be. And what they do is people will figure will figure this out, and then they add everything up. And Dan Zimborski's really transparent about how this works. And he says the goal of Zips is to be less mind-blowingly awful than any other way of predicting the future. We predict probabilities, not certainties. Over the last decade, Zips has averaged 20 correct teams per year when looking at the Vegas preseason over-underlines. He says, I'm always tinkering with the methodology. Most of the low-hanging fruit and predicting how teams will perform has already been harvested. And he said, with one major exception, the problems are about accuracy rather than bias. He says the misses that Zips has for teams from year to year are uncorrelated. And the correlations of fewer than 20 points aren't ideal, but the he will say that there's one major exception, in-season roster changes. Zips will underestimate teams that add value during the season and will overrate teams that subtract value. So two of the teams that have made the most in-season additions over the last 17 years, Astros and Yankees, are two teams that underperform most often in Zips. So here are the AL Central standings. And this is all done Monte Carlo style, where the number, you know, they play out the season a million times, and they look at where, where the curve is for likelihoods. Do you ever go to Monte Carlo? I've never been to Monte Carlo. Hmm. I have not. I think I've driven one as a rental car once. It's different. The Zips projected standings predict a bad AL Central. That's the headline. 
it, it's a bad division. And Zips has Cleveland winning the division at 83 and 79. Minnesota second at 80 and 82. And the White Sox nine games back at 74 and 88. Oh, man. Give the White Sox an 11.1% chance of winning the division. Here's in there is the editorial paragraph, and you know what he has said in the past when their individual projections came out, and the the criticism was they need to have less risk at at important positions, not more. So going with Thurman, Thurman second base and right field is <laughs> it's just not the year to do that. But he says. We've written so much about the White Sox that I don't want to belabor the point, but the organization has been treading water, watching baseball swim on by. Andrew Benatendi is fine, but adding him is basically making the minimal effort. Mm -hmm. The Pale Hose can take the Central, but it's hard to call them a favorite these days. I'm shocked how far Chicago's projection has drifted downward. Mm -mm. And yes, well, why has it? The team's depth remains shockingly shallow in a lot of areas. In terms of what they call the next 26 roster, Zips ranks the Sox below the Royals, below the Tigers. What? Dan, I've been thinking a lot about the White Sox. You know, spring training is next week. That should be fun at Camelback Ranch next week. When pitchers and catchers report, if there's nothing that we hear from Major League Baseball about one of the White Sox pitchers, um, I was thinking about the survey, the athletic survey, how we went through it. We were going through some of the answers, and I do feel like the White Sox have missed a real opportunity. And I'm not going to be as grandiose as to say capture the city. But I do think that they missed, while the Death Star is being rebuilt, there was time for the Rebellion to actually do something. And and they've wasted it. They rebuilt the Death Star. Like, I still can't believe that. They, they've wasted yeah. all this time. And I was thinking about it because I know that there's some people, there have been reports that parking's going to go up to $30 or whatever yes. over there. Are you hearing that too? Yes. Mike Rankin, are you hearing that about the parking? I am now. That sucks. Yeah, that really does. And then there's, there's. I wonder if winning cures all when it comes to the White Sox. Or if there has to be an even bigger effort by the White Sox as an organization. When you take into account what the, the people surveyed by The Athletic had to say about this team, is it just going to be enough? For the White Sox to go, see, we told you. We told you we'd be in contention for an American League Central division. Or do they need to actually do grassroots, on-the-ground work again with their own fan base? Not trying to bring new fans in, but trying to... Repairing? Yes, repairing damage with people like us. And I don't mean people who have radio shows. I mean, White Sox fans. Disillusioned White Sox fans that are still embittered over the, the La Russa mistake. And the waste, like, it's not just the La Russa mistake, it's the waste of two years. That was symbolized by, and, and just the, the, the thumb in the eye 
The oh, this is your contention window. This is, here you go. Take Tony Larusa. Here, have fun with this. But anyone to, to, can win with this team. To me, you can't start doing anything as long as Mike Clevenger's here. Nothing. I don't want to hear a word. So the white until, white Sox, until you resolve Clevenger until that's until he's gone off the point. team rebuked. You can't even get started while you still have an open file. That's a good point because it opens them up to. Well, what's this Clevenger thing? Right, like you got it. You you can't begin to build bridges back until you launch that turd. Dexter says parking is free in my driveway. The socks can kiss my ass. <laughs> they think I'm paying more to see that bleep bleep club. <laughs> and those asking, what was the White Sox? What what did Zips project the White Sox with last year? Eighty eight wins. They were one of the more underperforming teams. They were they only won eighty one. Man, I it just all of it just in the seasons where the White Sox are rebuilding, like you kind of know what the deal is. But it's similar to the Bulls, and I don't mean like they're two runs of organizations. But it's similar to the Bulls, where you go, man, there's a lot of good parts here. You look and you say, well, they got Dylan Cease and they have Eloy and they've got Tim Anderson. You say there's some good parts here, and I like the Benintendi move. It's fine, but but it also just feels like there's a dark cloud. And I know, I know that for the most part, we travel with it. White Sox fans travel with the dark cloud. Oh, but, we 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 cherish the dark cloud. Are you kidding? We we carry it around with us. But I do so think, it can rain on us whenever it's sunny. I do think that if we go back to 2020 I feel like there was a lifting of that dark cloud even with the the kind of crazy way that the White Sox went out of that playoff where they were the first team to clinch a spot and then the last seed in it and Ricky was bad and 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 you ended up failing in in that series Michael was bad yeah and Cease was bad like like there was a lot of stuff there but I felt hope then that then a few weeks later, that hope gets dashed because they hire Tony Larusa. Like I even remember them firing Ricky and being like, "Okay, like I get it. Here we go. Yeah, they they manager wasn't good enough. The manager matters to them. They did the same thing that the Cubs did to yep. the same guy. Yep. Where man, this is such a great developmental manager, and now I, I feel like they've gone and hired. Another version of of that, where it's like, let's get someone who really is going to push these guys to be their the best version of themselves. It felt like the the skies were opening up, that the clouds were breaking, and I just think there's a lot of work for them to do. And I know that they probably think that winning is the only thing, because that's how this offseason, forget about Clevenger, before that became public. It's kind of felt like when you hear quotes from Rick where he's saying, look, I know people are tired of the talking. Like, to a certain extent, you're right. But I also don't think that they've done a good enough job selling their product. They haven't done a good enough job of telling me after failures why I should buy in to what it is that they're selling. Why a White Sox fan should come back. Why should they pay $30? To go park and be at a game. Well, this is a question for their sales staff. 
It really is. This is an honest question for somebody in charge of literally selling them. Who's has to wake up every day and they that's their job, whether it's going to a, a major corporate conglomerate and doing an upfront and saying, here's the big advertising package that you can get because people are going to be interested in White Sox baseball or whether it's somebody buying a five game pack. That that's the person to ask. What are their what what are their decks say? What are their emails say about this? This is the data that we get that is in, is working is making somebody say you know, get them over the over the over the hump and say yeah I will buy that package or sure I I would like to have my company's logo on connected in, to this in, in the park somewhere they know what's working I wonder what's working I love this texter. We're not tired of talking, Rick. We're tired of tired talking points. You're right. I I will say this from a professional, not a personal standpoint. I think it's silly of whatever feud the White Sox think they have going on with the score. A feud? I mean... The fact that Rick Hahn hasn't been on any of the shows that are on during the week is ridiculous. It is, but but I, but but, Dan, but off the air, he's got relationships no, with people I, here. Yes, that are totally that's, normal. That's why it's ridiculous. Like it's really ridiculous that whether it's it's Mully and Ha or Parkinson Spiegel or us that you think that that I mean I don't mean to go all Barry Horowitz, but the the numbers tell the story. Especially with the number of lifelong White Sox fans here. And and I mean, yeah. I'm talking about the popularity of this particular show. But you've got a, a bunch of White Sox fans who work on this show and a bunch that listen to it. I don't care where your games are. We all know where your fan base is. They're here. And they're listening. And you running and hiding and having whatever grudge you got because we didn't fall for the banana in the tailpipe or you didn't like the way that your team was criticized, even though those criticisms have proven to be right, and they were right when they were first guessed and not second guessed, I think that it's really important that they, once they figure, because you're, you're right, Dan, I, I didn't think about that. The the Clevenger thing kind of precludes them yeah, you can't from start doing in on any anything. sort of outreach. No bridge building, none of that, as long as this guy is is a member of the White Sox in good standing, which he is. Yeah, and what are they going to do next week? I wonder if they have a plan. This is a longtime Sox guy, Bill on Capitol Hill, who says if the Sox want to make up, they should probably stop kicking us in the balls. The Sox have taken on the personality of their owner. Sclerotic, full of bile, needlessly chippy, settling old grudges rather than focusing on the future. said, I've never shared Reinsdorf's vision for pro sports, but I could understand them. But now his team is as he is, old and bitter and out of touch. Yeah, it feels that way. And what I, I was saying to you guys that it feels like the it feels like the White Sox is an organization are trying to do a heel turn. Like, they they feel put upon and... Victimized. They, yeah. And, that like, they're trying to be the bad guys. And I don't think that's in them. Well, I know what you hear from people within the organization is it, it basically scoreboard. Just watch. We're going to win. 
We're going to win. We're going to win. And that's okay. Like I, I want them to feel that that's, way. That's part of it. It's a huge part of it, and that changes the mood of White Sox fans historically. But that's not all of it anymore. And there's other things beyond that that, frankly, you have more control over. The the messaging part and the texter's right, where I, I know when it comes to Rick and him talking about things because of his background, MBA, lawyer, he can sometimes come off as rehearsed. The strange thing is, is that when you do talk to him away from microphones, it's not that way. And I get it. Like, you have to give a different persona when you're on the air. You want to be careful about some of the things that you say. But because of how the last couple of years have gone, I think the texter raises a really good point that it always feels like when those conversations are public that it, it doesn't feel personal. And I know it I know it is personal. Like everyone over there in the front office, it is personal when the White Sox lose. And maybe they take it harder than other organizations well, do. They also have internalized the the Cubs bitterness as much or more so than a lot of White Sox fans. Well, you know, that's one of the things that I wonder if I I wonder how they're looking at this cuz I do think that there was an opportunity for them to chip away at the perceived notion, and it's a truism, that this is a Cubs town. They had that chance. You had you had a group of young and exciting players that people were like, wow, T.A.'s cool. Eloy's cool. Oh, the leaning into the culture thing and the, the change the game thing was a masterstroke. Right? It was an absolute masterstroke, and it, and it was a game changer. They had it. They had it, and they blew it. And then, then you... They had it. You, you juxtapose that with... The baseball police, and it doesn't no, make that, sense. They they really did, and they knew it. They they had it. They knew they had it, and, they, and it took a lot of. It, that was sort of the turning of an aircraft carrier to get the climate to where internally, where they could felt that they really could do that, and and the they had to get over their their long held fear of alienating Bridgeport Bob. And they and they finally said, "To hell with Bridgeport, Bob. He's seventy eight years old. He's he's not spent a whole lot of money. Let, let's go after his kids and his grandkids. Yeah, let's go and, out. Let's go after his kids that live downtown, yeah. or, or out in Schaumburg, or out in the southwestern burbs, such, or live in South Shore it, or Hyde Park. It was such a shame. It was just such a shame because of how hard they worked and what they put into the investment in where the team was headed culturally." And and they screwed it all up. They 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 ru- they scuttled it. All of that, all those all all of those hours and all of that energy that was all spinning in the right direction. And they they just broke the machine. You know what's funny, Dan? You would have never thought if we go back like fifteen years ago of talking to White Sox fans that there would be. Something like, you know, good guys wear black again, where the whole fan base is like, yep, yes, we're all in on this. All of us. Change the game? Bleep, yeah. Yeah, this is what we want. Bat flips? Half done jerseys? Big old chains? Fun and smiles at the ball game? Yeah. Great merchandise? Like, yeah. Forward thinking design? Foul mouth closer. He's out here saying four and twelve letter cuss words. 
while yeah and like the whole fan base was like this is our identity we endorse this identity of our baseball we're team proud of we're proud of be- rather than being miserable about being Sox and embarrassed about being Sox fans we're proud of it yeah yeah and now that's all gone and and i i know that it, there's there's a possibility that you and i are a little bit in a vacuum on this because we deal with it every day but when i'm looking at white Sox fans whether i'm in an inside a thread of of josh or if I'm in the 108 threads, or any of the really cool like Sox bloggers that are out there, I'm seeing the same stuff. I'm seeing, like, screw these guys. I'm seeing negativity. I'm seeing people not being willing to give them the benefit of the well, doubt because they've ruined it. This is also something, and a good point here from the 815, a good point for the 815, that... Shocking. And this came out in our discussion of the survey on The Athletic. Because of that subset... Those 2,000 respondents to the athletic survey are, are a very specific subset of their fandom that, that care about spending money on journalism and have the discretionary income to spend money on, on smart journalism. This point, the main issue for the Sox, fans are smarter now. Fans are adapting. Fans are learning. Fans are evolving to think less Artie from Elgin and more Bill on Capitol Hill. This, I think there's a lot of truth to that. that I do too. That, that fans are doing their homework and they're understanding probabilities and likelihoods when it comes to what things cost and and where they're and and everybody's so pressed for time about how how often their eyes are on a screen. There's, it's absolutely true. Fans, fans, you need to make a better case to a fan of why is it why is it worth it. We need to take a break, but I just want to give this texter some props, too. 224, nice late run by the texters, yeah, by the way. Yeah, come back. The identity scared the owner. That's why he called in the baseball police and installed his vanity project. Ooh. And you know what? Considering the way that the broadcaster negotiations went, I don't think you're wrong, texter. Back after this in the score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes. Man, Bernstein and Holmes, best show in radio. I love it, boys. Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score. Just the best! What's isolation for you? We're just going into a cave? Are you not going to talk? It's uh, it's four nights of uh, complete uh, darkness. What? You go to Alaska? 
Not Alaska, no. I've been to Alaska. That's a beautiful state. Yeah, Are you fun. locked in? Where is it? You're not locked in. No, you can you can leave if you if you you know you can't do it. You can just walk out the door. But it's uh, it's a darkness retreat. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with Hi. you again because a vision softly creeping. Such a damn weirdo. He is, is he though? Yes. We each have done some sort of version no, I've of never, sensory deprivation. No, my mine was sort of an opportunistic one. You tell your story first. You did the tank, right? Yeah, there was a, a place downtown, I don't even know if it still exists, where they were doing sensory deprivation in a saltwater tank. So you're in the tank and you're floating. And, and you can't drown unless, of course, like you can fall asleep and turn over. But you'll wake right up, usually, if that happens. And then they close you in. And it's sen- sensory, what was it called? I think it was called Float 60. Okay. So you're in there for an hour. And I got to tell you, I mean, the, the salt water aspect of it, like salt water just makes you feel better anyway. But I will tell you that I went into that being like, this is going to be the longest 60 minutes of my life. And then when they came and got me out, I was like, didn't you guys just put me in here? Hmm. And they were like, no, you've been here for an hour. Yeah. Like, it was like the thing shut. I finally, like, relaxed. And then it opened back up. And I was like, what are you guys doing here? They're like, Mr. Holmes, it's been an hour. Maybe that's worth the money then. I, 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 yeah. And I felt reset. Like, I totally felt reset. I don't know if you need four days in darkness. No, you probably just need some mushrooms or something. Well, that can enhance the experience for sure. He just seems like he's, he seems like a man that's on a quest. Well, combining the mushrooms and the sensory deprivation reminds people my age of what mm-hmm. was a, a pioneering and pretty spectacular, if a bit silly, movie. I saw it when I was 11 in the theater, came out in 1980. And I saw it right then, first run, and it kind of blew my mind. It's a, it is a science fiction horror movie called Altered States. In the basement of one of the country's leading medical schools, Dr. Aaron Rodgers, candidate for a Nobel <laughs> Prize, is conducting the most dangerous experiment in the history of science. And the subject of the experiment is himself. Ask him what kind of an experience I can expect. I think what you want to do is have that flow state be a continual thing. I wouldn't listen to some of those people out there, especially guys like Mike Florio. I realize I'm in the crosshairs of the woke mob right now. It's deafening. The noise is deafening. It's blacked out. What happens during these blackout periods is you get the feeling of phenomenal acceleration, like you're being shot out over millions, billions of years. Time simply obliterates. I'm asking you to put the experiment off until we understand a little more in order to minimize the no risk. Way. I'm really frightened. Yeah, I just got out of a 12-day Pancha Karma. Look that up. How about the production today? Have a day, Mike Rankin. That's Ray, Ray Diaz. Diaz. Oh, that's Ray that's Diaz. all Ray. Yeah. So, so we got Kevin Harlan giving props to to Mike. He, he, he had Kevin Harlan in tears. Yeah, that was pretty cool. You should send him that. That is outstanding. We already guys. sent it. Ray, don't send him that. Though. No, don't. No. S- yeah, no. If, oh. if you haven't checked out that movie, if you're kind of like a, a, a if you enjoy uh, 
out there kind of stuff. There's a little 2001 in it. There's it, it goes places, man. So so you did that. There, there are two things that I've only done that have come even close to that. Okay. One was caving. Were you like spelunking in the cenotes in the Yucatan? Beth and I did this when we were in uh, Playa del Carmen, and we did a day trip into the cenotes, which are these vast limestone caves. And we've got wetsuits on, we've got headlamps, and at one point you go in, there's one cave, and I think it's something in, in Spanish, something like the, the Cava del Muerte, the Cave of Death. I'm like, well, why do they call it? Like, now we're going to the great, the Cave of Death. And our, our guide said what I want everyone to do now, and there were whatever, like eight of us. She said, everyone turn off your headlamps. Because this is the darkest, there is no light in here whatsoever, and because of the way the water in the cave, there is, you will not, sound doesn't carry or move. So just turn everything off on three. And that was about 10 seconds, maybe, of full freak out. Like, I, I, I did not really have time to adjust to it. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're underground in a cave. You're not in a tank in a place. So it was a little like, ah, hey, okay, can we turn the lights on? The other time, I don't know if it's still there, the Milwaukee Art Museum had a mod, I think it was a traveling exhibit, a temporary exhibit. And it was, you had to put special little plastic uh, booties on your feet like you're a repairman. And it was an all-white installment oh. a room a huge room huge you could even you couldn't tell how big the room was because the way it was made was for no reflection all light was absorbed and sound was absorbed so you stood in complete it was the opposite of darkness but it was the same effect you it was it was like the 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 stuff in the matrix where before they get equipped before they get placed into an environment and it's just whiteness that was another time where you, and you you it's a disorienting disconnected floating feeling here's a recommendation if you've not checked it out will smith had a series called welcome to earth where he kind of went to some of these incredible places and he he did two of the things that you're talking about one of them was going deep sea diving to like the darkest part of the ocean and they did the same thing where they turned off the light on this mm. craft that they were on. Mm-hmm. And then when they turned it on, you got to see like all the colors of the fish. Like it was, it was oh, the amazing. iridescent it's life. Amazing. Yeah. And then he said, we're going to go to a place that has no sound. And so they went like inside a, a cave in a rock face and they, they brought like a, a sensor and there's no, like, it was so, it's exactly what you're talking about. It was so great. That series, by the way, is amazing. And I know that it kind of came out like right after he slapped Chris Rock. So a lot of people didn't watch it, but you should because it's really good. It's called Welcome to Earth. It's a darkness retreat. Darknesses, darknesses. Speaking of people slapping people, darkness is spreading. Ah, ah, you darkness, you black, midnight, evil. <laughs> Black magic, darkness, raw darkness, yeah. delirious. <laughs> ah, you were cold as ice. 
and I'm I'm certain that that all the David Foster Wallace fans out there would would appreciate the infinite jest reference to Ortho the Darkness Stice as well and his tennis exploits. And that leads us to our final segment. You ever notice how sometimes the opportunity is right in front of you and you got to take it? I'm going to share a story about that next here on The Score. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the markable fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score. So after Iron Man 1, Terrence Howard and Marvel got into a disagreement about how he was going to go forward with the project. By the way, I thought Terrence Howard did a great job as Rhodey. In Iron Man 1. I believe their like friendship and everything else. So they went down a list of people to try and figure out who would play Rhodey. And they kind of settled on Don Cheadle. Like award winning actor Don Cheadle. Listen to him describe how he ended up in the Marvel movies. I was at my kid's laser tag birthday party. And they called me and said, this is what's happening. Um... We're giving you the offer. If you don't say yes, we're going to the next person. This is has to be, this is going to happen very fast. So they said, why don't you go ahead and take an hour and decide if you want to do it? I said, it's, it was a six movie deal. I was like, in an hour I have to decide? Like, what are the other movies? They're like, it's going to be these Avengers. It's going to be these many Iron Men. This is what it is. So you kind of have to say yes or no if you're in or out. Like, what's the trajectory of the character going to be? Well, they're like, we can't, we don't know any of that. But... This is what it is. So you've got an hour. I said, I'm at my kid's laser tag birthday party. They're like, oh, take two hours. Take two hours. So so we played laser tag for two hours, and I was talking to my wife, and we just kind of thought about it and talked to my agent and tried to get as much information as we could, and we just took a flyer and said, okay, we'll do it. (laughs) Hey, Don, it's Marvel. Oh, hi. We want you to be War Machine. Oh, great. What's that? What's that? And uh, how many movies? Six movies. Really? That seems like a really long time. It pays a gazillion dollars. Uh, oh, uh, can I understand? What's the trajectory? We can't really tell you. We need to know in an hour. But I'm at this thing. Okay, two hours. <laughs> Took a flyer on it, he said. Right. Right? What? Like, you give it an movies? hour. And like, how much acting is in front of a green screen? How much is going to be with other actors? Like, some some people don't like the the disembodied stuff. And and at that point, obviously, like Iron Man one did great, but as far as building out the Marvel universe, that was still undetermined. Like, this was a risk at that point. It was. It's not a risk now. If you get asked to do a Marvel movie, you do it. But back then. I'm, I'm going to commit for 10 years because that's what we're talking about to playing this character. And it's probably ended up being like 14 years for Cheadle. And you're only going to give me an hour to think about it. And now I'm like, maybe that's the way one should make decisions. Pay for a lot of laser tag. Damn right. Got his own lasers. Talk to Parkinson Spiegel next here on the score.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.